When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When you don't have a clear curriculum for your classroom, it is so overwhelming to try to put that together yourself. Spending hours on Pinterest and Google, pulling worksheets and pulling pieces of curriculum together to make something that works for your classroom. That's why we created the Autism Helper Curriculum and now offer Curriculum Access. Curriculum Access gets you access to all levels and all subjects of the highly differentiated evidence-based Autism Helper Curriculum. You can have students working on letter identification and working on parts of speech at the same time in our easy-to-use curriculum. We currently have hundreds of teachers using Curriculum Access from all over the world with consistently rave reviews. I want you to join that group of teachers. Now is the time to ask your administrators for curriculum access. We have an email template ready to go so you can ask them to set up a demo. Your administrators can jump on a live call with our team members to see everything that's included in the Autism Helper curriculum access. Next year, let's reduce the overwhelm. Let's start the year out with a path and a plan and resources to meet all the diverse needs of your students. Let's make next year the year of curriculum access. Head over to the show notes to learn more. Hi, I'm Sasha Long, special ed teacher and board certified behavior analyst. Welcome to the Autism Helper Podcast. I'm here to explore different strategies to improve the lives of individuals with autism. Hi guys, I am interrupting the mini ABA series because this is episode 100 of the Autism Helper podcast. I mean, can you even freaking believe that? 100 episodes. When I am recording this, there are over 650,000 listens. I am so blown away by your support and I am so thrilled that you have loved listening to this podcast as much as I have loved making it. So I actually started this podcast at the end of 2018, but it was in discussions for a while before that. So maybe two years prior to when I actually started it, my husband started bringing up the idea of a podcast. And I have to tell you, at first, I really wasn't that into it because I wasn't a podcast listener at that time. So I didn't really get it. I was like, okay, where are these podcasts? Do you pay for them? Are they on Netflix? How do I record them? So there were a lot of logistical questions I had to overcome, and I didn't know if people would like it. And the big thing that changed for me was that I started listening to podcasts myself, and I saw how efficient they were. Now, you guys, I love efficiency. I really do. I know they say you shouldn't multitask all the time, but I just like getting a lot of stuff done. And what I loved about podcasts was that I could be driving somewhere. I could be folding laundry. I could be on a walk and I could also be listening to something. And I know how busy special ed teachers are and special ed parents and clinicians. So I was like, oh, maybe this podcast thing is is a good idea because 
you know, teachers and parents and stuff can listen to this while doing other things. You know, maybe you don't have time to sit down and read a blog post or watch a YouTube video, but you can throw this on during your commute. And I know that's what so many of you do. And I'm happy that my husband finally won and convinced me that a podcast was a good idea. So before we jump into today's episode, I want to ask a little favor. If you have not ever left a review on the podcast, it would mean so much to me if you could do so. So if you head over to wherever you listen to your podcast and write a quick review, I would really appreciate it. It helps more people find the podcast who it might be helpful to, and it gives me great feedback on what you are looking for. So what I thought would be really fun to celebrate episode 100 would be to share some of my favorite clips from the past 99 episodes. Now, that's a lot to choose from, and I'm so honored to have had some really amazing podcast guests on the last 99 episodes. So it was a hard pick. So I just grabbed a few of my favorite quick little quotes and few-minute snippets to share with you. So this episode is going to be a little bit of everything, but I think it's going to be really fun to touch on a lot of different topics and share some of my favorite parts of the podcast over the past year and a half. So let's jump in. Now I knew right away what clip I wanted to start with. I wanted to start with a clip from episode two. Yep, all the way back to episode two on growth mindset. Now the place we are in in education, we need a growth mindset more than ever. When I recorded this episode, I spent the first few minutes of it talking about how hard the job of a special education teacher is. Oh boy, we didn't know how nice we had it back then in 2018, did we? We didn't have to deal with virtual learning or hybrid schedules or face masks or all of these other quote unquote fun obstacles that we've added on to an already challenging job. So in a clip from this episode, I'm talking about what to do on those bad days and how having a growth mindset over a fixed mindset will help you get through the hard times a little bit better. And most importantly, they'll help you see the little victories. And the little victories, you guys, that's what we live for. And right now, those little victories you need to hold on to. If Johnny spends two more minutes on the Zoom call than he normally does, that's a win. If Johnny just shows up for a Zoom call, that's a win too. We have to grab on to those little victories wherever we can find them. So let's hear about how little victories and growth mindset play a role in our job as a special educator. With a growth mindset, you're going to view those challenges and those bad days that inevitably happen as just a little detour. Because with a growth mindset, it's going to help you see that overall progress. So When we're in the weeds and we're in the thick of it, it's hard to see those baby steps. I talk about little victories a lot because that's why we're all here. We're all here for the little victories. But it's hard to see how those little victories make it into the big picture of overall progress. And I am not an economics person. I, to be honest, really don't always understand how the stock market works. But every so often, you know, you click on your iPhone on the stock market Uh, stock market button. And that's probably not even actually what it's called. But it shows how the stocks kind of tick up and sometimes they tick down and then they go back up and they tick down a little bit. And it's variable. But the overall trend you can see is moving upwards. That's what it is with your class. 
you're going to have those bad days. You're going to have those missteps. You're going to have that really cool project that you think is going to be awesome and it blows up in your freaking face. But overall, the progress of your class and the progress of your development as a teacher is going to be in that upward trend. And you're going to be proud of that effort. So on your next kind of crappy day, sit in your car before you leave. Think about everything that you did right, everything that you did well. Be like, you know what? I handled this crisis well and I delegated to my staff really well and our morning circle went really smoothly because of all the hard work I did to create materials that were appropriate for my class. And be proud of that. Don't think about a meltdown that happened or a staff issue or something. Be proud of that effort. So during this crazy time of virtual instruction and hybrid instruction or whatever type of instruction you're doing right now, be proud of the effort you are putting in and apply that growth mindset to learn from the mistakes, learn from the hard days, learn from the struggles and identify those little victories and see how those little victories contribute to that overall picture of success. Okay, so let's switch gears to our next clip. So I'm going to pull a clip from episode 13 that is Be Your Classroom's Publicist. This is something I've talked about a few times, but if you thought you wore a ton of hats already in your job, add one more hat on because in your role, we want to spread some good PR about our classroom. So let, let me give you this clip so you can see a little bit what I'm talking about. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Even in the most inclusive and welcoming school community, it's easier to remember the bad than the good. They might remember that last tantrum that happened in the hallway or the time that you were sprinting up the stairs carrying some adult diapers and plastic gloves because there was a toileting emergency and one of your paras was out to lunch. Those things might stick in their mind more than the good things they see. Unfortunately, they might not have a correct perception of your class. And it's understandable. In life, the bad things stick out more than the good. You could get 100 compliments about something, but we remember the one piece of negative feedback. That's natural. And in our field, sometimes the negative things can be pretty loud and dramatic, to put it nicely. So here's where that publicist job comes in. It is your job to spread some good PR about your class every day. You have to step into this role every single day at your job. And not just, oh, my kids are so great. My kids are so amazing. No, we want to get specific here. You want everyone to know how capable your kids are. I think actually that's one of the biggest misconceptions that other teachers have about our class. 
I'm pretty sure a lot of teachers might think that we play and do puzzles all day in Play-Doh. But there's so much more. Our kids are reading. Our kids are learning new skills. Our kids are learning to communicate and have friends and share these major life skills. So we don't want everyone to just love our kids. We want them to love our kids and know how smart they are. So I had to grab a clip from episode six, Handling Student Aggression. This episode has almost 10,000 listens, and I know why. Handling aggressive behavior is extremely challenging. And if there's only one minute of any podcast episode that you listen to, I want it to be this one. So the first thing I want to talk about are two kind of guiding principles These aren't necessarily steps, but it's more of a mindset that we need to have as we approach every day or every situation we have when it comes to dealing with aggression or extreme behaviors. So the first principle is recognizing and respecting that this child is someone's baby. This kid is someone's whole world. They have a mom and dad who were excited for this baby to be born and who changed their whole life and probably changed their lives on a daily basis right now for this kid. He's a human. You have to respect him no matter what. No matter, we all know things can kind of get crazy real quick, but just keep in the back of your head always that. This child is someone's baby and someone's whole world, and we need to respect that. And think about, if this was my kid, how would I want my kid's teacher acting right now? And if you keep that as like a mindset when you approach situations, I think you can almost rarely go wrong because you are treating that child with love and respect. Yes, that's not behavioral, but we still need to do that. Okay, so let's switch gears a little bit and talk about the importance of asking for help. In episode 40, Tamika Meadows does such a great job talking about the power of saying, I don't know, I'm going to have to look into that and have to get back to you. What a simple thing to say that we just don't say enough. I absolutely love Tamika Meadows. She's a BCBA and the author of the I Love ABA blog. I swear when we recorded this episode, I could have just chatted with her about ABA for hours and hours and hours. So let me share this quick clip of what we chatted about related to one of the common myths about BCBAs that we are cold and we are arrogant. That jumps ahead to another myth I was going to say that, you know, BCBAs are cold, emotionless, heartless, non-collaborative. Yes. Arrogance. I hear that arrogant a whole lot. Um, I, I usually it's, it's something like, I'll I'll say something like, I'll say something like, Oh, well, I don't know. Or I'll say, Oh, well, let me, let me go read up on that and get back to you. And they'll just kind of look at me in shock. And I'll be like, what, what's wrong? And they're like, no, I, just, I, I don't think I've ever heard that. I'm like, Oh wow. <laughs> well, well, you'll hear it a lot because I don't know everything. And I have no problem saying I don't know everything um, because I don't want you to think I do and then be disappointed when I don't. So I think that as clinicians, we have to be comfortable um, communicating to someone when, oh, we're waiting outside of my expertise now. Like we were in we were in my area and now we're tiptoeing outside of my area. And I need to let you know that um, that I'm going to need some time to go look into this before I answer your question.
I have been extremely lucky to have had the chance to interview many amazing parents of children with special needs. And I say the word amazing, not in the way people say like, oh my God, this pizza is amazing. Like, no, I am amazed by these parents, by their ability to be an advocate tirelessly for their child, for their ability to show up every single day with positivity, with that problem-solving attitude, and with their ability to share it with the world, many of the parents that I've interviewed. And I can't pick a favorite because honestly, they're all my favorites. And I've learned so much from getting the chance to talk to so many parents and have been able to learn so much about how to be a better educator and clinician and provider. And one clip that really stuck out for me from all of these great parent interviews is a clip from episode 46 with Jody Warshawski. And if you listen to this episode, you probably fell in love with her like we all did, but you probably know what clip I'm talking about because it's a really powerful moment and a powerful sentiment that she shares with us. Do you want to know the biggest fear of every single special needs parent? Yes. I'll get really deep right now. This is the biggest fear. This is the biggest fear. I hear it every single day. I am afraid to die because no one will love my kid the way that I do. And so all of us parents, we have to live till we're 200 years old so that we can always be there for our kids because no one else will love our kids the way we do. So the biggest, the hugest, biggest piece of advice that I would ever give anybody working with our kiddos is love them as much as you can. That speaks volumes to the parent. If we know that the people that are working with our kids actually really care about them, it's the biggest gift because we feel alone in that. So that's just yeah. something that we, it's like, it's, a, it's an unspoken fear and it's also a spoken yeah. fear. Yeah. We're just kind of like, you know, I, you know, people don't treat them well and, and I'm the only one who knows how to take care of them. And when, when our kids are in a really good environment with a really good classroom, which if you're listening to this podcast, then this is your classroom because (laughs) you're, you're, you're seeking knowledge and you want to know more and you want to be better. So, so this is the classroom that we want our kids in is yours. And, when, when that, when that goes well, it's, it's just, it's, it's like, um, it's, it's the most support that we, that we can ever get. So I love it when people are like, oh, Remy's my favorite or she's so cute. And I'm like, oh, yeah. you see her the way I yes. do. Like, My next clip I want to share is from Dr. Megan Miller. She is such a phenomenal behavior analyst, and I love the way that she thinks about and talks about the practice of applied behavior analysis. In this clip, she talks about how to comprehensively approach challenging behavior. And guess what? It's not only about function. There's a lot more that should go into how you create a treatment program for each individual child. This clip, I think, really summarizes her main points really well and will get you thinking about what should and should not be included in your behavior plans. For a lot of us, it's so groundbreaking and mind-blowing to think about like, oh, wow, we can look at the environment and see what's maintaining a challenging behavior, and that's cool. 
But it can't just be that. That can't be the only thing we're training people on. There's a whole ecological assessment that needs to be happening where we're looking at the context and the likelihood of plans being successful and the skill deficits, especially of the learners. Most of the learners that I've encountered where an intervention that should have been successful goes awry and becomes an intervention where the child is tantruming for a really long time or it's clearly very aversive. Um, it, it's because the look they didn't look closely enough at the skill deficits and especially relating to tolerating the changes that would come about from the intervention. So there wasn't enough shaping being used looking at, okay, our terminal goal is for the child to tolerate sitting in circle time for 15 minutes and currently they won't even walk over to circle. <laughs> so, okay, it's yeah. an escape behavior is maybe what they determine from function. And so the plan is, well, we will just sit in circle with the child and hold them there and they'll stay there for the whole 15 minutes. Or maybe they use a little bit of shaping and say, well, we'll just make them sit there for a minute and then they can go play. But for that minute, we're making them sit there um, mm -hmm. as opposed to looking yeah. at where they currently are. Wow. They won't even walk over to circle right now. What can we do to build, like what's going on there? Are there, you know, supports that could be used within circle time, maybe some additional visuals or motivating materials. Um, do we need to just work on proximity and build up the duration of being closer to circle first and then eventually get to being in circle. Um, but I think a lot of the times people just go straight to, well, we can just make them <laughs> whatever, mm -hmm. um, as opposed to looking at where are they and how can we motivate them choosing to participate and actively engage and then shift our closer and closer to our goal. So that's like one of the big pieces for me is just that comprehensively, I have a training I've been doing on comprehensively addressing challenging behavior. So yes, we need to figure out the function but in all honesty, function doesn't matter. I could know the maintaining reinforcer. I could know that it's escape or I could know that it's access to tangibles or attention. But if the learner has skill deficits that override, if they don't have another way to choose a different response, it won't matter if I withhold the reinforcer because that behavior, is not, the replacement's not going to magically appear for them. Um, they'll yeah. just continue <laughs> to engage in challenging behavior and it'll just keep getting worse because their repertoire of challenging behavior will just continue to grow as they continue to kind of flail around and not have any other means to access, you know, whatever it is that they're trying to access. There are some overarching themes that I keep coming back to within podcast episodes, and one of those is definitely staff training. I have a lot of episodes on staff training. Actually, I made you a list if you want more staff training in your life. Episodes 1, 3, 36, 37, 54, 70, and 85 are all completely dedicated to different strategies to becoming a better leader of your team. And of course, we talk about this in many other episodes. So I had to include a clip on staff training here for you. This clip is from episode 36 and really encompasses my overall perspective on what your team should look like. Your assistants, your um, EAs, your paraprofessionals, whatever the title is, they are educators in your room and you need to treat them like that. Number one, Treat your team as teachers. 
your paraprofessionals, your classroom assistants, whatever the title is, view them and talk about them and include them as your co-teachers in your classroom. They are there to help your kids make progress just like you are. And there's important ways that we can start to create this atmosphere of a team of teachers instead of one teacher and two paraprofessionals. We want that culture to be that we're three teachers in this together. The language you use here is really important. When you refer to teaching your students or implementing IEP goals, use the word we. We as a team are going to teach Johnny to read. We as a team are going to help Sarah decrease her negative behaviors. We as a team are going to help all of our kids become independent. Talk about your students as our students. They're not your students. They're our students, all of us. We are a team and these are our kids. Your staff is here because they love them. They are their kids. So make sure you use that important language that helps develop that team atmosphere. Loop your staff in on important conversations. If a case manager comes and talks to you about something, obviously there's sometimes that it's a confidentiality issue and it's not appropriate to tell your team, but there's other times that it is. If Johnny's on a new medication that might affect his behavior, it's going to be important that your team knows that. You can also teach them about the boundaries of confidentiality, that, hey, this isn't information we give to everyone. This is just for us, for our team, because the changes in Johnny's behavior is, are going to impact your staff members' day-to-day activities if the behaviors are increasing or decreasing. So we want to keep them in the loop on things that are important, things that are affecting their kids and things that are affecting the activities they do every day. And when you let them in on some of those important conversations, they now are a valuable member of their team, of that team. And they are seeing that, wow, I'm being looped in on an important conversation. This is because I am an important person here and that I need to know this. So think about little ways that you can kind of incorporate and develop that team mentality and that team mentality of everyone being a teacher. And maybe that means you are literally saying to them, We are all teachers, saying that constantly, saying that frequently, being like, yes, we are all teachers in this classroom. We are all here to educate our kids. Not only do I have the same themes that I keep coming back to, but I've got a bunch of weird sayings that I keep coming back to also. And you know what? Weird sayings are good because they stick in your head. And I have weird sayings for things that are really important. And one of my favorite weird sayings that is really important is be the chocolate chip cookie. And if you don't know what that means, I'm going to share a clip from episode 83 that explains what I'm talking about. I kind of tend to say the same things over and over because they're really important. And sometimes I've got my own little weird sayings or twist on it. Now, you've maybe heard me say this before, and it's one of my little Sasha sayings that you need to be a chocolate chip cookie. Now, let me explain what that means if you haven't heard me say this before. You and your classroom need to become a reinforcer. Now, to me, chocolate chip cookies are definitely a reinforcer. I would eat a chocolate chip cookie every day for breakfast if it wasn't unhealthy and not a good idea. If someone said, do you want celery or a chocolate chip cookie? You better believe I'm picking chocolate chip cookie every day. 
So your goal is that you and your classroom embrace that. You are a chocolate chip cookie. You are the best thing ever. Heck yeah, I'll take hanging out with my teacher. Heck yeah, I'll take going to my classroom because it's that amazing. That's your goal. That's what you want to embrace is being a chocolate chip cookie. I could just keep going like this, guys, and sharing clip after clip after clip, but this episode would get pretty long, so let's cut it off right here. Again, I want to thank you so much for listening to this podcast and supporting this platform. I, Like I said, I have really, really enjoyed working on this podcast. It has been so great to get the opportunity to interview so many amazing members of this community. As always, if you have any suggestions for types of content you'd like to see on the podcast, if you have questions that you want a Q&A episode or suggestions for an interview, please shoot me a message, an email, a DM. I would love to hear from you. And if you have a chance to leave a review on this podcast, I would really appreciate it. Thank you again for joining me today and every time you listen. These 100 episodes have been so fun to create and I cannot wait to continue making episodes for you. Thanks for listening to the Autism Helper Podcast. If you liked what you heard and want to hear more, hit subscribe. It would mean a lot to me if you left some feedback. Whether I'm working one-on-one with a student, doing a podcast like this one, or presenting for a PD, my goal is always to provide as much value as I can. So your feedback really helps me make sure I'm doing just that. If you have other topics you'd like me to cover, leave in the feedback or message me on social media. You can follow me at The Autism Helper on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and Pinterest. Or visit my website, theautismhelper.com. Thanks again for listening. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Having the right resources for your classroom is essential to making sure your classroom is running smoothly. At the Autism Helper Shop, we have all of the resources you need to make sure you have the behavior, communication, and curriculum supports for your students. Within our shop, we have adapted books, task cards, resources aligned to the VB map and the ABLES, behavior plan flowcharts, data sheets, curriculum. Everything you need, whether you are an early childhood teacher or a high school teacher, we have all of the resources that will meet those students' needs. So head over to shop.theautismhelper.com to check out all of our resources.